0: Welcome back to the Bad Associations podcast. I'm Eva. From all three of us, Chev, Brian, and I, we hope that you had a great holiday season and we want to thank you for sticking with us over the break. If you'd like to be interviewed for an episode, please reach out via the links in the show notes. This episode features Amber, who not only tells her own story, but also, with permission, shares some of her twin sister's story as well. They were both raised as witnesses and left as adults neither of them realizing that they didn't want to go back until after they had been out for a while. There was a point during the interview when Amber and I got a little off track trying to see if we knew any of the same people, and I, of course, edited that portion out. However, the conversation that flowed from that one was one that I really wanted to include, so the episode will resume mid-conversation at one point. Also, as a reminder, this podcast is created for adult audiences. In addition to adult language being used in most episodes, we all know that many of our histories as ex-witnesses include abuse of various types, and this episode is no exception. We especially want to advise listener discretion for discussion of ongoing child sexual abuse and of suicide attempts. If you're in the United States and you need support, please call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-4673, or call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988.
1: Okay, so the question we always start with, can you tell me about the first time you started to question the religion? It was after I had stopped going to meetings, and it was when I was from the outside looking in, in watching my twin sister's experience. That's when I was just like, "No, no, that's not right. That's not loving to me." So, yeah. It, it was over a course of many years.
0: So was there like a specific part of that of watching that, that that kind of triggered that for you or just the whole thing overall?
1: Yeah, it was um which maybe later on we'll we'll touch on this. It was, uh, my sister was going through her second time of getting scholarship. So the first time she was scholarship for almost a year, she tried really hard to come back, came back and then like, a couple months later, I don't know how many months she slipped up and that happened, but it had a lot to do with mental health. Okay. Um, and she, she was doing well. Um, and that just kind of, I was just like, no, y'all aren't going to listen to her story. You guys aren't trained in this. Yeah. You guys are not having any compassion. They just straight up, you messed up again. How dare you? You're, you're gone. Yeah. It's really unkind to both sides of it. The way that the organization expects the
0: elders to take care of mental health and understand mental health. Yeah. With, with nothing to back it up.
1: Yeah. And she said in her meeting, like the judicial meeting, she was like, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I have figured out like why I am flipping up. Um and she was like, I have already started months ago started um going to a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Like I've gotten down to the root point and her root point was um childhood like sexual abuse. Mm-hmm and it wasn't from a witness or anything mm-hmm. um, but she was like this is why I didn't do well the first time I was a scholarship. I came back I'm telling you right now I will not do okay if you guys a scholarship me a second time but I am working on it I don't want to flip up anymore and I'm getting
0: help what did they say to that
1: they had no cares in the world they were like nope you flipped up you were under the roof of your mom's house blah 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 mm-hmm in your bad association so you're gone yeah they kind of rooted against her from the beginning when she was moving into that congregation to get help and to live with my mom she was coming from out of state she was new to their congregation and as soon as she came in the elders knew she was about to get the scholarship because like they had to wait until her card got there from our home congregation they they made the decision to the scholarship so they knew that was coming and I think they were just like, "You're bad blood. Like you're bringing bad association into our perfect congregation. We want to keep it perfect, we don't like you."
0: Yeah. Well, and like those, you know, because they they write the letter that you know comes mm-hmm. with your cards and whatnot, and
1: yeah, like they, they, you don't get a chance to prove who you are or anything. It's yep. And to they've to not be very loving with my mother, who um tries to be the perfect witness and she's kind of um, not kind of she is a Bible thropper through and through. Okay. And because she's associated with us, they're looking for any ways to try to ex her and like discholership her. Which I don't really care, but you know Yeah. <laughs> and so like that still is going on. Yeah. The- oh, There's still gosh. an ongoing stuff um that's going on with her and they're trying to like disbell mm-hmm. her. Purely by
0: association.
1: Yeah, I mean they let you know they let it slide that Megan messed up while she was under their roof and the whole thing. So Megan now was she, was she
0: a minor at that time or or grown up?
1: Oh, we like were um, kind of think we were like 28 at the time. Okay, so yeah, somewhere okay. around there. Okay, um, so you know obviously mom was like I have nothing to do with her blah blah, blah. don't associate you with her, um. But it more so recently, my twin came up to get surgery, and so she was coming to get the surgery up here, and she was going to recoup at my house. My mom got wind of it. She decided she wanted to be an involved parent, and so she she visited us the day before her surgery, um, brought in meals, and then was there to bring her home from surgery or to my house. And to take care of her a little bit. I think she felt bad. And her congregation down in Tennessee, my mom's congregation down in Tennessee, got wind of that. And they're trying to disfellowship her because she's taking care of her own daughter. Yeah. And she was like, We weren't having fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm taking care of her medically, but nope. Yeah. That Tennessee congregation heard about it and they're like, Nope, you're hanging out with your disfellship oh daughter. Gosh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. i don't remember if it was in heather's or hope's episode they didn't actually disfellowship um they removed her dad as an elder because heather's the the dad of her kids died and yeah. the, yep, I heard the grandparents went to the to the funeral and they took the grandkids out to eat with heather was with them after the funeral like what yep. like what the hell like they, they don't, don't care no they,
1: they, black and white. You hung out yes. with yourself, your daughter. No context. We, we don't care. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I just that. And then I think to me is like the biggest issue that I take with a lot of things is there's context to everything. Yeah. And it, it's really unkind to not at least listen to that and like consider it. You yeah. Know? And I am slightly
1: terrified of the day if it comes. The day that they find new understanding or new knowledge that the disfellowshipping is bullshit and not loving at all. Do you know how many families and how many witnesses, non-witnesses, how many people are going to be affected by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, kind of, it's a two-edged sword. It'll right. kind of be good, but then again, people are going to be like, I missed out on whole life. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: And not even just missed out on them, but like, really fucked them up you know like there are people like it really
1: messes you up especially depending on what your relationship was like before that you know yeah like you can't be like getting mad at people for having you know quote unquote no natural affection and then be like you can't talk to your kids now yep and most times with a lot of witnesses especially witnesses that were born into it like i was Mm -hmm. you lose everyone yeah. You lose your family. You lose your siblings. Your your fr- your so-called friends. Yeah. Like you, your whole entire world is taken away if you decide this is not for you. Whether you get a scholarship or not, and I'm not even a scholarship.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope that that works out for for her.
1: And, I mean, sometimes people need a little taste of their own medicine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's fair. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever <laughs> God decides. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my God. I'll just sit back with a popcorn. How does it feel now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> So let's see. So let's. I guess let's take it backwards a little bit. You were you were born in. Take take me through like a little chronologically the bullet points.
1: Yeah. So um, my great aunt started this whole thing. I don't really recall how she got into it or how she heard about it, probably from witnesses going door to door. I have no clue. Um, but oh my god, she had a great personality. She she was fun loving. She believed in Jehovah, obviously, she read the scriptures, but she didn't take everything too seriously. Like she would she would joke around out in service and say like some funny stuff that you're not supposed to say out in mm-hmm. service. Yeah. <laughs> right so then um my grandma who is I don't know 10 something it plus years younger got into it Okay. um so that brings in my dad my dad grew up around it but never really took to it um and that's how my mom came <laughs> into it is because they dated very young and my grandma witnessed my mom and so my mom kind of gradually took it a little bit Okay. Um, and then us four kids were basically born into it (laughs) okay
0: all right so there's four of you okay wow
1: yeah yep yep so when did when did you get baptized i think i was 14 or 15 okay so actually not not terrible like older than than a lot so that's good (laughs) yeah um i wanted to get baptized a little bit younger Um, because I actually, you know, I believed in it. I really wanted to be baptized. Um, Later on, I would come to find out it's because the rest of your life is determined by if you get baptized or not, Right. And all that stuff. Yep. But but my dad, who had started kind of being against witnesses, was like, no, I want you to wait until you're 18. You need to wait more years. But, of course, the elders were like, you're going to get push back from people and that just means you're making the right decision. Uh-huh. And I personally was very eager to get baptized, so I pushed against my dad and Meg and I got baptized at the same time. Was your was your dad in as well or no? No, um I'm I think as a kid he went to the meetings, but he never got baptized. He never took interest he made it very obvious that he wanted to live a normal life yeah okay so he was he was never like in in okay well good for him yeah what the <laughs> cool do you do you feel like that gave you a more rounded out i guess maybe kind of experience or did it just complicate it because it was so conflicting um to one extent yeah i feel like later on it would prove to have taught me some good things to have a witness and a non-witness or whatever but the good the i guess if you want to say good thing was he never really cared to like celebrate the holidays okay so it's not like my parents were necessarily fighting about christmas trees and halloween and my dad was like, sweet, if you're not going to celebrate birthdays, more money to <laughs> have fun toys and to go on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, it, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it was actually kind of a cool thing that we didn't celebrate holidays because in school, all these kids would have all these toys from Santa and from their birthday, but a lot of them didn't really go on family vacations, and we grew up on 20 acres, so we always had trucks that we just, would just beat the shit yeah. out of jeeps and quads buggies, motorcycles like I, I feel like we ended up having more no yeah. So.
0: yeah you got to have like experiences and and do things which is yeah yeah by far i think especially the older i get like the more i appreciate that like i would w- much rather do stuff than get stuff or have stuff
1: yeah yeah and we had both so that was great yeah that's cool It doesn't ring a bell, but I think my brain tries to lock out a lot of that. That's yeah, it's totally real. It's funny to me how um, how much I forget, like people who I spent so much time with, and I'll look back and I'll I'll either be like, something will remind me of them. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that that human existed, or I'll be like, what in the hell was their name? (laughs) Yeah, you know. And I wonder, too, sometimes, like, is that, like, a is that like a trauma response? Is that, like, my brain sometimes, I think, being, like, you need to,
0: like, compartmentalize some of this a little more? Or am I just, I, like, getting old and my, my memory sucks? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe that too, I think kind of a twofold thing because, yeah, your brain has wonderful ways, wonderful ways of protecting itself. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times if it blocks out, you remembering things it's ultimately just better for you physically mentally emotionally all the other and also i think when you do leave um you end up living such a full life it's like you're making up so much time yes more to people who were just born worldly so i think it's just like it it feels like a lifetime since we've been there
0: yeah no because that is absolutely real <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's it's really like you're getting like a do-over. Yeah, um, but I think it's really cool too that we are able to actually get to a point where we can like just live a normal life. Um, once you get through kind of like that mourning process, yeah, like, go through that, mm-hmm. then it's just like okay, pressure's off, man. Yep. I can do whatever I want because I can.
0: Yeah, like what?
1: Make the decisions I want.
0: <laughs> yep, like when you once you realize that. Like, truly, you are just responsible for your own decisions and actions and consequences. Like, it just opens up a whole a whole different world.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing. And I mean, there's always things to learn about. There's no point in going back and what it could have showed up. Like, you know what? I needed to learn whatever I needed to learn in that time frame. And now I can do whatever I want. And I'm going to put that learning, what I've learned, into my life now. Yeah. So how did how did you end up out? Um. So after um, or I should say, when I left my second husband, um, I was kind of forced to do things. Not I, I shouldn't say forced. Mentally, I was forced to do things that I didn't really want to do in order to be scripturally free. Um. But at that time. Even though I was, you know, ending my second marriage with witnesses, um, I still really wanted to be a witness or say a witness, even if I got the solo shift. I told myself I would come back, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if that was dictated because all of my family were witnesses, including my twin at the time. Um, I was really close with my cousins; like we were just super close. And I don't know if it was dictated by that or if I just wholeheartedly wanted to but when i was going through my second divorce i told i was not interested in dating ever again i was not interested in getting married ever again but the more i was kind of acting on the worldly part to get spiritually free i was kind of waking up to the point where i was just like you know even though it's not a goal to get like date or get married again i really am not going to marry a woman. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it again. I feel like there's a whole entire lie before you get married and as soon as you get that ring on your finger, they could potentially change 100%, which happens to me twice. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, you know, just that in general, like that specifically, I don't want to do this because even if I, I stay good, in um, state a witness if I ended up marrying a worldly person I would still to an extent get shunned right because of that mm-hmm. and I was just like I got to the point where I was like no I wasn't abusive mentally abusive uh relationship in the second one second marriage and I was like it reminded me too much of that he was very controlling very like you can't do anything and then the the religion became that. I was just like, I don't want some- someone telling me what I got to do every day, how I got to do it, why I got to do it. Yeah. And so after I kind of acted on my ways of getting scripturally free, I was just like, I kind of want to keep doing this. Like <laughs> I never partied when I was a teenager or a young adult. I never slept with anyone before I got married twice, you know, like I never really experienced that, and it's not like I went off the deep end, really, but I was just like, you know, before I fucked up, <laughs> yeah, yep. leave going to the meetings, because I don't want to be sitting at the Kingdom Hall next to my family Yeah, <laughs> on, you know, specific days, and then the other days, be cooking up with people, or just never cooking up, I'm smoking pot, you know, going right. out to the bars, like, just... Having with uh, a worldly friends, like yeah. I didn't want to feel like I was lying to myself, or to my family, or anybody, anyone else. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave the meetings, and I didn't even stay good for several, like six months after I stopped going to meetings, and they followed me one hundred percent when I stopped going. And it and it's really sad because I, I think for the most part the elders don't understand how really weird. Their behavior is that, you know, they're
0: they're being told to take care of people, quote unquote, and they're being told, you know, here's how you do it, and so they do it. And I think, I think more often than not, they at least don't have a conscious understanding of like you're being really, really creepy and and weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they know. tell themselves and other witnesses like you're you're knocking on their door, checking up on them, blowing up their phone. Um, because you love them, right? Got to flood. yeah. We're just trying want, to help you. Wanna, yep, and you lovingly want to bring them back. There mm-hmm. was, I'd have to say, there was more of the elders' wives that would check up on my twin and I more so than um the brothers and the elders. But okay. there was the elders that uh, they followed me. I moved two times since the time I stopped going to meetings, and they followed me to both houses. Wow. <laughs> I was not like physically follow you, mm-hmm. but like they stopped on those Kep, doors. They kept track of where you were. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's no boundaries.
0: Yeah. So, so did you ever have any like judicial meetings or anything? Or, or were you able to just like legit just fade?
1: Um, when I stopped going to meetings, heck no, I are going to do those judicial meetings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good job.
1: <laughs> Kudos to I <mean>, you. I'm- <laughs> I've been in some judicial meetings, trust me. And that was very uncomfortable. Yeah, And I was like, no, because I, at that point, when I stopped going, I was sitting back watching my sister go through her situation. Okay. And now she was going through the process of getting the fellowship because she wanted to be a witness and because she was coming back. And I told myself, if I ever do come back, well, A, I'm not going to do a judicial meeting Mm -hmm. at all. And I'm not gonna go through and get myself this fellowships if I'm not actively trying to come back. Like why do I gotta take that slap on the wrist right. and live with like that if I'm not actively trying to come back yet? Hundred percent agree. Yeah. It's it's really
0: not anybody's business.
1: Yep. So if you don't mind, I would like to kind of go from first marriage, second marriage, um and kind of go from there? Yeah, totally. Let's do okay. it. Um, so the situation was, uh, my sister and I moved out into our first apartment. Um, I think it was before we turned 18, uh, our parents' marriage was falling apart and we just, we wanted to have our own freedom and be good old witnesses and living together. Little did I know her boyfriend at the time, um, was going to propose less than six months later and I was stuck with the apartment. French. Oh no! I can do. I was freaking out because, at you know, back then, back then, like I'm super old, but back then there were more um part-time jobs than there were full-time jobs. So I technically had a part-time job, like my first adult part-time job, and I was freaking out upon moving in because I was like, you know, six fifty for rent and expensive, you know, split two ways. Uh huh. And it was like, "I'm gonna be here for you. I'm with your sister. I plan on marrying her. I'm gonna help you out." And then, like three months later, oh you my God. For it. <laughs> you know, like engagements go fast. Yeah, so, yeah, you're not trying to waste time once you once you decide. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was stuck with that, which made me mad. But you know, we're young and stupid. Yeah, so, lesson um, learned, I guess. But at that time, through Megan and her fiance at this point in time, I met her fiance's best friend, Um, took a liking to him. So him and I, you know, it was a year and a half later, started kind of talking and decided that we wanted to date each other. So we did the whole witness dating, Mm -hmm. being chaperone, the whole thing. And, And I was never the kind of young person, or even to this day, I'm never a person to push marriage. Um, I don't ever want, like, my significant other to feel like they are trapped in anything, that they don't have to be trapped in. Because I saw my parents' marriage falling apart, and my dad, you know, did whatever he did because he was like, well, I'm not ever supposed to leave her, so I'm just going to, you know, break her heart in certain other ways because I'm not supposed to leave. So I I never wanted someone to feel like they were trapped with me. I want I want them to be with me because they want to be with me yeah. and not be stuff behind my back, you know? Yep, yeah, like actively choosing not coerced. Yeah. So that, that ultimately ended up happening with me, but so me and this young fella uh ended up getting married and I mean I felt like we got married because we wanted to be married to each other and we always had the the goal of having three beautiful kids and doing the whole you know, you get married, you in a house, you have kids, You yep. like life is picket fence. Forever. Yeah, but little did I know that um, not even a month after our wedding, he uh, was having girlfriends. Oh, so that That's was very nice. Shocker in general, but like in the witness world, you think, like, your life is going to be happily ever after because you married another witness. Right. And yeah, you your... did all the things you were supposed to do. Yeah. And again, I told him multiple times, like, you, you're you not forced to marry me. I don't care what, like, our religion says, like, you, just because we're dating doesn't mean you have to marry me if you don't want to. But right. anyway, he said he did. That happened. We tried to patch it up. We prayed about it. We did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then ultimately, like, I never, since then, I never really trusted him, and I always had, like, legit, I always had a backpack yeah. in our marriage. I was always ready to go at the drop of a hat. I was always looking out for myself as if I was a single person, because I I had this feeling I was going to end up being a single person. <laughs> so, it, it, it eventually came out that he had slept with someone else, and uh, hid it from me for a year. So... At that time, I, since I had a backpack, I ended up moving with my twin and her husband at the time across the country with just a backpack and a grocery bag full of stuff. Wow. And I never went back. But so with, with him, um, what had happened was when I left, I didn't leave knowing I was going to divorce him, but he was fighting for me so hard to stay with him. That I physically had to, like, get away so I could think clearly and make the best decision for myself. Because being with him, like, near him physically, my emotions and my girl heart just wanted to patch it up and move forward with our plans. Mm-hmm. And I think when I did make the decision to divorce him, the bigger reason past the heartache. From the thing that I had the hardest issue with deciding to divorce was... I was 25 at the time, so I knew, like, my my biggest life goal was to be a mom, but I knew, like, if I, if I divorce him at 25, I have to divorce him knowing that I'm giving up, like, my biggest dream, possibly. Like, for, I wanted to be prepared for it because I didn't want to force myself, pressure myself into marrying again really quick or whatever. Just for that goal, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: So that was kind of something I had to mourn before I went through with um telling him I was gonna get worse And the weird thing was, he was not happy about that, and so he went to the elders, and he didn't get the solo ship for cheating on me, which is I didn't care. I was like, I'm scripturally free, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. He went to the elders and told them that before I moved away, I forgave him through sex. Oh, no. Yep. And I was like, that did not happen. Yeah. We were intimate, and we had our emotional times before I left, but there was no sex.
0: Not at all. Well, because, I mean, let's be honest, like, you know if you're having any doubt about if you're going to stay or not, you're like, oh, I got to make sure this doesn't happen because otherwise it resets. And then I'm the one that gets in trouble.
1: Yep. I locked I so lock my bedroom door during that time oh to goodness. make sure that's didn't happen. Wow. So what I had to end up doing was actually moving from Eric. Cause I, I had moved away from him to Arizona. Okay. I had to actually end up moving back to Michigan back to my home congregation uh my congregation that I had been at starting at seven years old Okay. Mm-hmm. so these elders that I had to go in front of since I was a kid mm-hmm. I had to tell them about my sexual encounters with my husband and they were like there were you know they they asked the weirdest intimate questions were you during this supposed time that he said you forgave him. Were you dressed? Were you undressed? Like, did he touch you? Yes. Did he touch you? Where? He Well, like, it's so bizarre. It, it is. Because also, again, like we were talking about earlier with the context, they don't want to take, like, your mental health or previous traumas into context. But when it comes to you might have
0: had sex with your husband who cheated on you after you found out, suddenly all the context in the world is relevant no it's yeah it's not
1: yeah and so but his elders, because my elder, myself his elder and himself all got together in a a call to talk about this his elders were against me now what (laughs) the same the same elders that heard him confessing that he cheated on me were up was on his side and was against me And they were like, well, why did he even get this idea that you guys have, like, why were you guys even in the same, like, bed together? Why were you, I was like, he was my husband. Yeah. He shattered my world and my heart, but he was still my husband.
0: Yeah, And and you've not, like, as an organization, created, like, super um, independent, autonomous, People, I think it sounds like you did far better than a lot of people in that like you were able to just like go when you decided to go but like they don't breed that like level of independence and autonomy. They
1: create humans who feel like they need to stay even if they don't need to stay anymore. By their own rules, they still don't make it easy to to go. Yep. So, I and also, during this time I was I was fighting for my spiritual freedom, I had to write the same explicit sexual encounters that I had with him. Actually, I shouldn't even say sexual, the both sexual, you know what I mean. Yeah. With intimate encounters oh. with him. I had to put that all down on paper for my elders to reread What's and that? to send to the branch to fight for my case. Are you serious? Yeah, uh, written down on paper. Oh my god, I've literally I've not heard of that. Like, I've yep. heard of like them sending their written account of the judicial meeting. Nope, but you had to write that yourself. Oh my yep. god. Yep, like where I was in the bed during this supposed oh. sexual encounter, if I was dressed, if I if I was attracted to my husband oh during my this encounter, everything, everything. Oh. Did you kiss? Was it passionate? Like it was so weird. It was weird. Yeah. Writing it out was very uncomfortable, but yeah. I wanted scriptural freedom so bad. I knew yeah. whatever it was. So um that I ended up winning that after many, many, many months. So yay, it was free. And then like right I don't know how it got like put in through the universe or the air, but somehow everybody knew I was single and scripturally free at that time. And so this brother um, from up north Michigan or northern Michigan got in contact with me, and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't want to be single forever now because, as being a witness, when you're single, you can't have sex, and I really wanted it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, just to be vain, yeah. I, mean, it's I was at this time. Yeah, I was. I was like 26 at the time, so yeah. I'm, like, I'm young. I wanna. Right, yeah. Married. Yeah. I want to get married. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get married. yeah no teary motive. Every day, hard. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, we started talking, and then we decided we wind the day. And that whole thing was very, very weird and very awkward because he was very pushy. Very, very pushy about not dating for too long and all this stuff. His family pushed it. And kind of my gut was saying, hey, this is weird. Like, this isn't right. Why, like, why is he pushing it so hard? Yeah. Um, but then again, I was kind of, like, psychologically, I was trying to be like, well, you're only hesitant because your first experience was a bad one. you're only being protective of yourself and you need to, like, chill out, basically. Mm-hmm. So I kept talking to myself and being like, stop being so scared you need to, like, let this happen, and you're being, like, an emotional woman.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, it's it's me, not them.
1: Yeah, so I kind of, it, not kind of, I ignored my gut feeling because I was like, oh, I don't want to acting like a silly, emotional woman, so let me just keep on pushing through this. So after, like, only six months of dating, we got engaged, unfortunately. <clears throat> and then... So we weren't we weren't engaged for very long, um, and fast forward to the night before our wedding. I was full on, full like full on, having doubts. Yeah, like not wanting to go through with it, not just freaking out. Yep. Um, and so obviously it was hard to hide. I told my fiance I was like I'm freaking out. I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, so what him and his family ended up doing was pulling me into their camper because family from out of state was in the house and they didn't want them to hear me freaking out. Okay. So me, my fiance, and his two parents uh, were in this camper talking about how I was freaking out. And they were like, you know you need to make a decision obviously it's the day before but i was like well what's the harm in just extending the engagement you know like just because you're calling off the wedding doesn't mean you're not gonna get married but i need more time to think about this mm-hmm. yeah because you were well, already rushed into it yeah and my mom who i was really close with she was my best friend um other than my twin um my mom was in town for the wedding and I knew my mom knew me well enough, to where if she saw me and heard me, she wouldn't say don't do it, but she would have really talked sense into me. Objectives, not, not pressure. Yeah, not pressure, but she would have let me make the decision that would ultimately been best, and to call everything off. Mm-hmm. But they would not let me. They wouldn't let me get um grab my phone. They was not let me call my mom. What? They, no. They were like, you're going to stay in this camper for if I'm it to take until you make this decision. What the fuck? Yep. So I said, fine, if I can't call my mom, can I call, like, an elder, the elder that's going to be giving our talk? Like, can I call him for some guidance? And they were like, yeah, sure, go out. And um, this that's is also an elder so that I've known. Okay. And so I called him. I was like, I'm kind of freaking out um I feel like I want more time blah blah blah. and his question which I mean I'm not against him or I still you know have good feelings towards him but his question was well how long have you guys been dating and I said six months and he was like so six months should be long enough for you to know if you want to marry this person and I was like six months to get to know someone and to know for sure if you want to marry them well no that's just pretty fast. Oh. Pretty fast. So, okay. Oh, okay so i i asked my fiance i said how would you feel if we just i just need to pause this like can we just call off the wedding date for longer be engaged for longer so like i can really just have time to not be freaking out about this this is my second marriage like and he was like, nope, it's either we we get married tomorrow or I'm gone forever. Okay. And for me, that was way too much pressure. So I was like, okay, no, you're being, you know, you're being silly. You're being emotional. You need to marry him because he's a very spiritual man. Mm-hmm. So Holy Spirit is going to fix this. Yep. So with that, um, he we got married. And on our honeymoon, he changed completely. 100% with a different person. Yep. So I was like, holy crap, who did I marry? Like, oh my god, on my honeymoon, which should be like blissful and magical. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be just having the best time ever. Like, yeah, literal no, honeymoon phase. I died my whole entire seven days in Hawaii. I balled my face off yeah. and I blamed it on my period. Oh my god. So fast forward, like we were only married for about two years. Um, he's very controlling. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it. He he made me sell my car so we could have one car. Um, he wanted us to have work together in the one job. He he even wanted us to uh have share the same cell phone. Like he wanted one of everything because he was so controlling. Yeah. where i was who i was talking to he wanted to make sure i couldn't leave the house right for a job he wanted to make sure i couldn't leave the house because that it was his car
0: and yep. so was but you like, saw your
1: car buddy yeah how was he justifying that to you because he obviously wasn't saying to you i want to get rid of your car so that i have more control and you can't go anywhere here without oh, yeah. me like what was what was his reasoning to you yeah so he he played the whole spiritual man card. Mm-hmm. he was like in order for us because we were both regular pioneers we were in a foreign language we joined the aso congregate or group okay um and he was like in order for us to be able to be the most spiritual and the most in the congregation like we need to bring all of our debt and payments down mm-hmm. um so you know, having another car, which I owned, it was four hundred dollars from a scrapyard. <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, like that's not helping your bills, buddy. Sorry.
1: <laughs> my insurance was like fifty bucks. Like, yeah. I guess... Yeah. Oh, like what expenses? It's a little car. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh but anyway,
1: I bought into it because he was like, that if we sell it and make seven hundred dollars, that's more money we can put towards our goal. Like, yeah. So yeah, I I wouldn't allow him to force me into uh. Sharing that phone, so I was like, "No, thank you." So as as this very abusive, mentally, like emotionally abusive mm-hmm. relationship started skyrocketing more um, and accelerating at a very high rate of speed, um, I was just like, "No, I don't care if I'm a witness or not. I don't care if he is spiritual. I don't, I don't, I don't believe Holy Spirit is going to be saved in this at this point." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to be under someone's thumb. Like, I used the same rule on myself as I told my two husbands. Like, I don't ever want you to feel like you're stuck just because we're married. Like, I want you to be with me because you want to be with me. Yeah. Thing. And so really I realized I didn't want to be with him. It was just nonstop fighting. Um, And I'm not, a, like, I'm not a fighter. Like, I just want to be peaceful, and we would fight all the time. Um, He actually locked me in a bedroom, in our bedroom, during an argument because I wouldn't see his side, and I wouldn't agree with him, and he wasn't going to allow me to leave that bedroom um, until I saw things his way. Kind of reminiscent of the camper situation there. Yep. (laughs) Because he was physically in front of the door, the only way out of the bedroom. Yeah. He was in it. Uh and uh, again, wow. I'm not a physical person either. Um mm-hmm. uh, I had to push him, like be mean to him and push him away so I could get out of the bedroom. Yeah, which <laughs> which is like seems perfectly reasonable to me. Someone's trapping yeah. you in a space, you you
0: can get out of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. So I ended up. During that argument, I was like, "I do not do this anymore." I took off with the car just to clear my head, um, just to go for a drive down the country road, just mm-hmm. to leave because things were going to get physical.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah.
1: They're clearly escalating quite a bit at that point. But yeah, and so while I was driving just to clear my head and to just you know calm down, uh, my husband had called a group of brothers. go follow me and at that same exact time because we had a Prius you know had a GPS and stuff Mm -hmm. at that time his father was trying to track our Prius yes to see where I was at so anyway so backing up even before I realized I really didn't want to be in this marriage um I fought to have a job like my own job Mm -hmm. separate from like outside the house (laughs) yep yep because I was a massage therapist Okay. So I was like, I, I want to go and do this. This is my dream job career. I, I want to go do this. I had to fight him. Um, and so it was a very part-time job. But as I was coming to the realization of like, this is fucked up, um, what I would do is after I was done from a partial day of work, I would just go to Walmart and just walk around because like, I didn't want to go back home. Yeah. Just feel like your own person for a minute. Yeah, like I would start shaking. I would start full on panic attacks just for the simple thought of walking through my front door. So that's what I would do. I would get done with work. I would go walk around Walmart, blow some time. You know, if I didn't come back home with a receipt with the date and time stamp, he called me a liar. And then he ended up telling witnesses after I left him that during. From the time that I left my job, the time that I came home from Walmart, then I had a secret family, a whole, a whole entire family. secret family. Totally, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Like straight, like just narcissism and like delusion. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So while all of this was like unraveling and like I was I was seeing it clear, like this is an abusive relationship, this is not okay. I was confiding in my mother because she was my best friend. And she was like, well, you know, this is your second marriage, but if you realize this is not what you want to do or if you realize this is going to be um, a dangerous situation, which it was very much heading that way. Mm -hmm. um, She was like, I will come up um, and I will come get you because I didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. Um, She was like, I'll come get you we'll stay at a hotel, we'll make a whole, like, kind of weekend of, what, like, for it, and turn it into more, of, like, a positive, thing. we can have a girls weekend, and I'll bring you home, and we can figure this out, right? Yeah. So, I ended up leaving him. Um, I got my own vehicle, it was um, a little jeep, and I called my mom, like, the day that I left him, and I said, Mom, I left him, I'm freaking out. I'm so scared. I don't know if I should stay up here or come back to my home congregation, like my hometown. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. She never came up to come help me. Never. So, I was like, fine. I'm an independent woman. I can do this, right? Yeah. So, I but I was so scared because I knew if I went back home, I wasn't going to get help financially. Like, what am I going to do financially? I have bills still. Right. Um, you know, people are going to look down on me because I left my My second husband, Mm -hmm. like I was freaking out and I really did like my job. And I was kind of at the point to where I was like, I need to stay put somewhere. Like eventually I need to put some roots down. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was, um, staying in that town for two weeks, just to make a decision, like to make a clear decision. Um, during those two weeks, I was 100% homeless. So what I ended up doing was going back and forth from staying overnight in my Jeep in well lit parking lots, and then when I wasn't sleeping in my Jeep or living in my Jeep, um, I was staying at a women's shelter. And so, and but- what did your did your congregation up there like say anything? Reach out? Try to help? Uh, did uh-huh. they even know? My husband was telling people that I was visiting my family down in Tennessee, so no one really questioned, no one really worried that I was in the, I was staying in the same city because he didn't know where I was at either. I turned my okay. smartphone off. Yep. I got a burner phone. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> I good job. I the so people couldn't notice me in this new Jeep. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Oh it was gosh. a whole thing because I didn't want him to be in people after me. If I right. Well, and at that point, like good, bad, or otherwise, somebody genuinely wanted to help you. He's not going to let them like actually do
0: that. He's. Yep. It's going to still his side of the story is going to win. In in a in a relationship and a personality like that, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, he
1: would have made whoever helped me. He would have made their their life living hell. And his dad was an elder. So, you know, it would have become an elder thing. Mm-hmm. They would have gotten that with us in trouble. Not, I was just like, let me be, let me not tell anyone where I'm at and just be homeless. Well, so then when I was homeless, I was freaking out.
0: Justifiably so.
1: Obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm living in my Jeep. Yep. Um, and I called my mom. So, like, crying, panic attack. I was like, Mom, I don't know what to do. I'm living in my Jeep. I need help, can you at I, I don't know why, but my focus was trying to insure my Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if that's all you have, like, you don't want to lose that. Yeah, I was like, I need insurance, I need to go on with your name, please help me. Yeah. And she goes, hang on, let me call you back, I have a witness on the other line. Oh. Well, that's, you know, yeah, priorities. So, um, that was the beginning of my mom and my Relationship starting to get a, a strange. So what ended up happening was one of my cousins, thank God, she called me and she was like, "I I don't want you living in a shelter. Please stop living in a shelter." Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can <laughs> come crash on my couch. She, well, that's what I ended up doing. I moved back home. I was couch surfing. Um, and she let me return all of their pop bottles for money. Okay, nice. That's what I did. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But look at there,
0: see somebody like trying to help in a good way, like you mm-hmm. the little bit that it was, like, that was more than, you know, 8 yeah. million other people could do.
1: So at that time, I still, obviously, still wanted to be a witness, so I was like, okay, if I ever want to marry another witness before, because I hadn't come to that conclusion that I didn't want to marry a witness again, mm-hmm. I was like, if I ever want to get married again, I have to be scripturally free so what do you do when you want to be scripturally free go hang out with someone and not just hang out oh. i didn't necessarily want to do that at that time like yeah that wasn't something i wanted to do but i had to in order to be free yeah. so i ended up doing that uh, when i called him to you know confess mm-hmm. uh i knew i had to make it sound 10 times worse than what it was because he was I needed this abusive person to let me go. Like, because even though if you screw someone else, if the innocent side, well, we all know, if mm-hmm. the innocent side says, nope, I still forgive you, you're stuck. You're still stuck. So I was like, no, let me make this sound real bad. Yeah. So I called him and I was like, oh, what did I say? I've been um, sex, drugs, and alcohol, hardcore. <laughs> oh I ended up saying that in my judicial meeting, too. So I did. I ended up free, and that's, that's the story of that second yeah. marriage. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. That's That's a lot. So with all of this going on, because um, I wanted to tie in Megan with us, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, with all this going on, my sister was kind of going through a similar thing, except for she was in an eight-year marriage. Okay her husband was very you know the the same type of abusive yeah except her husband took a lot longer to reveal his true colors so she was going through her thing um i could start telling that her mental um health was going down um but that had nothing to do with the end of their marriage Mm -hmm. she was it was just starting to you know rear its ugly head and so Um, she ended up leaving him. Uh, She ended up dating witnesses or not witnesses, uh, worldly people. But all while she was doing this, she was losing herself mentally. Um, and then she realized, she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. I want to be a witness. I want to come back. I want to do it right. Right. Mm -hmm. So she did that. Um, she took the lick. They were going to disfellowship her. Um, she ended up deciding that you know if I'm going to be destitute, I need family. So she ended up moving down to Tennessee with my mom to live with her okay. for support. So she did that. I mean, she was out for almost a year. Um, she was not doing well mentally. She she was struggling. I mean, being destitute, we all know, is a dark time anyway. Yeah, like a very dark time. So during her first time of being destitute. She had started seeking counseling. She was talking to psychologists, trying to get psychiatry help too, uh, and she was really like deep diving, like why am I doing this? Like not why am I a witness? Why did I do the things that I did? And she, through therapy, she ended up realizing it was all tied to our childhood, because when my sister and I were younger, our was sexually experimenting, if you will, okay. with his two. <laughs> years. So it didn't affect me as bad because I, I was a very boisterous, loud, obnoxious child, and I was gonna stand up for myself. Uh huh. So it stopped right away as soon as my nine-year-old brain was like, "This is wrong." Yeah. So it stopped for me. Um, I didn't know that it never stopped for my sister. Oh. So she she was abused by our um in ways that I I don't even know to this day. She will not tell me. Yeah, and she tells me everything.
0: Yeah,
1: she and she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to tell me. But so her abuse was far more extent than mine. So I mean that was that was why she she found out she was becoming mentally unstable. Like she was making these rash that she shouldn't be making and so she came to that realization good for her she got reinstated Yeah. she was only reinstated for a short amount of time before um she slipped up and then she had to go through another judicial meeting mm-hmm. and in the meeting she was like listen i'm not trying to make excuses okay but i i I have realized and come to the realization of why I'm doing this and I'm trying to correct my ways and I'm I wanna quit this habit of what I'm doing. And so she's like, I, I'm actually seeking help. I'm getting on medication, I'm talking to counselor, like I know now why. And she's like, and I don't want to do it again. And she said the first time was was too hard for me. Um and if I get this fellowship a second time, I I won't be okay. Yeah. And she ended up not being okay. And they didn't care. They were like, "Nope, you're getting the fellowship. You're gonna have to fight harder to come back."
0: Did they say anything or seem to feel any certain way about the medication or the
1: therapy that she was um, doing? That I don't know of. I don't. I really don't think they gave two shit that all they cared about was she messed up again. You came to our perfect congregation. Mm -hmm. No longer perfect. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You brought, yeah, they, they do that thing of like, well, there's stuff going wrong here. So who is it? Like they, they totally believe that thing of like, if there's a sinner, you're affecting the Holy spirit of the whole congregation. Yep. So that's what happened with her. And so, because she screwed up again, um, my sister had to end up making the decision to move out on her own, which ended up being a very dangerous situation.
0: Yeah. She herself herself. It's not like
1: you don't want to be a mom. Yeah. That's not a good idea. So, all while she was this fellowship the second time, she's like, nope, I'm going to keep on, I'm going to stay in the course. I'm going to fix my brain, <laughs> which. I'm going to come back. Like, I want to be a witness. I want to marry a witness. Witness, witness, witness. Right. So, yeah. She was trying so hard, but like, the longer she was out, the, the more drastic her mental health was taking up from it. And I feel bad at this point because, you know, I was in Michigan. She was in Tennessee. And we talked all the time. We texted each other all day. We called each other every day. Like, we're best friends. Right. Yeah. Um, and she was calling me and she was just like, never. Like, I'm not okay. And I was just like, yeah, you're just bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you're not okay. (laughs) And she's not one, at that point, she wasn't really one to, like, be overdramatic. So I should have, that should have been a huge red flag for me. Like, oh, whoa, like, this is serious. But, so she only kind of worded it it that way to me. I think she's trying to be a little bit more, um, like, brave with me. But with my mom, she was like, mom. Like, I'm mentally not okay. I'm depressed. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I'm not okay, right? Yeah. And then she even, um... I can't remember if it was the first suicide attempt or the second one, but she, Megan, end up, ended up, like, um, eluding or talking about a assembly part where one of the sisters said that she was suicidal. Um... And she told my mom, she was like, I see, like, why that sister was suicidal. Now, That just went over my mom. Said. Oh, fuck. But again, what are- they're not, like, like the elders aren't trained, but they're also not helping the congregation understand mental health either. Yeah. You it's know? Just look at Megan, she fucked up. It's like, like why it- didn't you pray more? Why didn't you study more? Why didn't you have more faith? Mm-hmm. You know, it's never, maybe you're just really fucked up. And what can we do to help you? Yep. Oh no, she didn't get help. She didn't get help from anyone. Um, so you know, a, a little bit later, she ended up attempting suicide because well, I fucked up twice, I'm not a good witness, and it wasn't all witness related. She she didn't need mental help. Mm-hmm. Um she was a little unbalanced, a lot unbalanced. Um and she she attempted it. And then by the time I heard that she attempted it me and another family member hauled balls down to Tennessee to go get her out of the medical institution. And so we 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 got there in time for Megan to be discharged and we brought her home. And at that time I hadn't talked to my mom in three solid years. It lit, when we were actually in the driveway pulling up, my mom was there. She decided she wanted to be there for Megan. And she only lived ten minutes up the road, my yeah. And so her and I had a, a verbal altercation. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, tensions are high. Because I... Yeah, I was like, how is it that I can drive 10 hours to go get my sister and still beat you to her in in your 10 minutes of the road? No more because she was disfellowshipped and the elders would say it was okay for me to help my, my daughter. Oh, my God. Yep, because the elders didn't say she was okay. (laughs) My god. So anyway, with Megan, you know, she just, she started getting help, but um, then as she was still trying to come back, you know, unfortunately there was a second attempt. I think she really realized, like, she didn't, she didn't want to end it at all. Like, it kind of woke her up to herself. A little bit of a jolt. Yeah. So that, that was the beginning of her being like, I don't want to be a witness anymore. And also while she was this fellowship was during COVID, okay. we did the Zoom meetings or she did the Zoom meetings, um she was not allowed to join the Zoom meetings.
0: Like even like, they to listen?
1: They would give her a
0: link to the meetings. What?
1: Don't they yep. not they don't they want people to do that? Isn't that how you keep your people I mean, the public can join a Zoom right. meetings. Yeah. Where exactly. Zoom meetings, but a disestablished person, well, at least her, that could just be super the weird. So she was like, "Fuck it, fine." Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, don't want, want me, to me here. here. I won't yeah. stay. How am I supposed to do this if you don't let me go to the meetings? Yeah. <laughs> so she was like, "Bye, like I'm done." Yeah. And she she ended up really discovering like starting to discover who she was um she got more help she got she was she ended up being way better uh, mentally yeah. and she ended up she was doing really really good and i was i'm super proud of her she ended up you know meeting the the man she is married to today mm-hmm. doing real good she's trying to be like a good advocate because she's open and honest about her struggle so she tries to help people who are depressed, and she she just flat out says like I I've, I've been there before. I'm still I'm still a depressed person, but yeah. <laughs> like on help. You this. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: like sometimes you just need someone to validate how you're feeling and your experience, and that's really awesome that she's willing to be that
1: person for people. It's just it just goes to show that yeah, elders aren't trained in the mental health department no it's it's not fair to them or anybody else to make them have the responsibilities that they have
0: in that regard
1: Mm -hmm. and also after my sister's birth attempt i was like i was mad at my mom because i was like how are you not going to be there for your daughter
0: because some dude didn't say go
1: ahead yeah and she i talked to her after our verbal altercation in the driveway and I was, because I was mad. I was just, I wanted to confront her about it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I did, after Megan attempted, I did end up going to the elders. And they did say that I could be there for Megan now. Yeah. Like,
0: Necessary family business.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, you need someone, you need someone's permission to be a mom. Yeah. So, it's but, not like you were like, hey, do you want to get get lunch because I just miss you let's go have a shopping day it was like well you just tried to die yep that's so mm,
0: it it shouldn't surprise me anymore or shock me anymore and it does still and it and I think it always will maybe I hope it always will because it is so fucked up like that I I don't want to feel like it's normal again you know because there I mean there's a time when that was that was
1: normal yep you know that's yep. where our brains were, and I'm so grateful that we've been able to to grow past that to understand
0: how oh fucked up God. that kind of stuff is.
1: Yeah, like the pressure is off. Um, you can make your own decision. You can you can decide if you want to be a good person or yeah. a bad person. you can't, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, and like you can,
0: yeah, like you say, like yeah, you can decide if if as a mom you were like, you know what, my kid is. Real piece of shit, and I don't <laughs> want to be there for them. Like that's your choice. I will still respect that choice more. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. So ever since I've been out, my life has been great, other than not having contact with you know everyone that I ever knew. Yeah. But the cool thing ended up being is, um, you know, I I ended up marrying, not marrying. Uh, meeting my now significant other, we've been together for over six years, oh, and he, you know what the cool thing was, is because I was upfront and honest from I, before we even decided that we had a crush on each other. This I was upfront and honest and said I had been married twice. At like, I think I don't, I don't remember. remember. I was it was before I was thirty when we were dating or started dating. So. From a worldly, any person standpoint, if you're looking yes. at someone that's not even 30 yet, and you've been divorced twice, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, yeah, are you the issue? Like, am I getting Yeah, it? like, yeah, are you the common denominator here? Like, there's gotta be one. <laughs> like, no, no, it's actually yeah. just a religion. That's the common yeah. denominator. Yeah, <laughs> no, and he never once questioned it. That's awesome. If he did it inside, I wouldn't know. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, never questioned it. Um, I got really close, and then still really close with his mom. Um, they never judged me and never questioned like, why have you been divorced twice? Like? Yeah, they they just took me in open arms. They're like, I don't care what religion you are. I don't mm. care. You know, you can tell me your past, but I'm not gonna judge you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, as long as you are good for my son and not this, it's a good person, that's all we care about. That's so like beautiful. <laughs> it's awesome. Like they become my family. I don't want to start crying. <laughs> yes, they, they they become my family. Like I'm so close with his mom. Like I call her all the time. Yeah. I call her mom. I call his dad my dad. Awesome. Um, I. Send monthly long texts that <laughs> I say how grateful I am for her and like I'll never take it for granted. I'll always appreciate it. And you guys took me in as kind of like a, you want to quote unquote like daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was like even though you know obviously we're not blood related, you still treat me like part of the family. And she goes, "Honey, you are my child." wow she's like you're you're as good as my daughter you are my daughter you're not you know you're not like family you are family yeah oh well so then it ended up being and you know what i'm now with my significant other longer than i've ever been married in the two marriages wow and we have a good relationship he's a good person yeah we have a healthy we we hardly ever argue We get along really well together. It's so great.
0: Yeah, and you're getting to like like we talked about earlier. Like you're getting to choose every day. You're you're choosing that, and he's choosing you back. Yep, and I have no
1: obligation. I'm like, I'll never stop saying this to anyone, and to him, I was like, I will constantly remind you that, like, because you know we've talked about marriage briefly, but it's not really. Like, something that is a must, um, I would say yes, if you asked me, but, um, I was, like, I, dating, engaged, married, kids, no kids, I don't ever want you to, you're not ever trapped. Like, if you ever wake up one day and you're just, like, I don't want to be with you, as long as you didn't do me dirty, I no question that. I'll be, like, okay, let me pack my bag. Yeah. I'm out. Like, I will respect that. I won't respect if anyone ever did to me again, what has been done to me because they thought they were trapped. That's fair. So, it it ended up being really good. I I love my life. I love my new family. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. We get together every week. Sometimes even more. Megan is in a good place. Um, She has a really great husband. She's got her two fur babies. (laughs) Beautiful house. Like, it's all good. That's so you <laughs> ended up
0: being good. <laughs> yeah. It's part of why I really like doing doing this podcast and these interviews because it's almost always like a happy ending. And
1: even if it's not yet a happy ending, like they're people are on their way. Like yeah.
0: you know, it's really it's really cool to see like there's like there's life afterwards. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't always have to mean relationships. Or marriage, it it can be whatever you want it to be. Right, yeah. You can just go with the flow. Yeah, and do whatever. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, before I ask you the last little question, is there anything else you want to get to that we didn't um, get to yet? Yeah. I I think one other thing is is, um, not to be super pessimistic, <laughs> but um, I do think it is a little um sad. That, um, I'm not even just fellowships, but yet with a lot of witnesses and like family members and stuff, you're treated. I feel like I am not treated any differently than my brother that's in prison. I am treated like a criminal. Yeah. Because I decided I don't want to go to the meetings anymore. Yeah. It's and really... I'm not saying that I, I don't believe it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an apostate. I just don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, so, you, you decided it wasn't the healthiest place for you. Yeah. And I'm not going to be pressured into, you know, marrying my significant other to make it right. Like, no, I just, I'm not going, I'm not going to live a lie and sit in those chairs. Yeah. So, yeah, but it, it is really sad. I'm not I'm not treated too much differently than than him, you know. And to have to tell people who's known you since birth, mm-hmm. if you have to tell them, "Hey, I ended up being a good person," now. right? Like I'm a good person. If you have to tell people you are a good person, mm-hmm. no, no thanks.
0: Yep, I don't, I don't need to like prove myself to you. I don't need to justify my existence or my worth. But they seem to think that. Mm-hmm.
1: Eh, I'm over explaining myself. I'm never gonna do it again. Yep. I love that. One other thing I was thinking about. One thing that I have like learned over all these years and stuff is I have never really told too many people, uh, especially witnesses, like all of the details that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But it it is ironic that the ones that I have told, especially the witnesses it's almost like they it paints a more clear picture which doesn't need to happen anyways but they kind of have a more understanding they are like wow i never knew all that stuff happened like i'm you never talked about it you never told me that wow i'm like i shouldn't have to tell you though like right yeah like oh we just thought you were a fucking train wreck like well you didn't have either you know (laughs) and the other sad thing is is our family members that we were super super close with and who have not, most of them have not continued to talk to us. I have a few, but they know they know what we've been through, especially Megan with older brother. Mm-hmm. Like they know, yeah, they know he's in prison. They know he fucked with us. Like they know that, and yet they're still like, still, anyways, you should have still not taken it out on Jehovah, oh and you God. still should you still should be on the straight and narrow no. despite everything you've been through. And it's like, it's not an excuse, but. But, yeah, um, it's not my job to make Jehovah feel okay. <laughs> yeah. <'Cause, laughs> I mean, I have some people that are mad at me. They are mad that I left. Like, they'll never talk to me yep. again because they're mad that I left and they know the stuff that I've been through. Yeah. And it seems like even if you're not going to talk to me, Seems like you could not be mad at me mm-hmm. because shit happens, like a yeah. lot of shit happens. Yep. <laughs> and you know of this shit, and yet you're still mad at me. Okay, cool. Well.
0: What advice would you give to somebody who is just left or
1: thinking about leaving or in the process of leaving? Um, Man, if you're starting to question stuff or... It doesn't even have to be your questioning it. If you just don't want to go to that religion, or you just don't want to abide by all rules, then your gut's telling you something, and especially if it really does start affecting your mental health. You have to look out for yourself, and you have to do whatever that's for you. Yeah. Totally agree. Yep. Yeah. Don't let it bring you down, because if you know something that's supposed to bring you everlasting life makes you end it, so you can't even get into everyone's <laughs> reflex. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good uh, perspective there. Yeah, it's probably not a good fit for you. Or if you just decide like, hey, I know I got bashed at it, but I just don't want to do this. Like that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I agree hundred percent.